You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Trey Larkins, come on in and stay a while, folks. I got an action, jam-packed show. A couple things I'm going to get to tonight. Only going to be off about an hour tonight, but I got a couple things I'm going to talk about. And I'm also going to bring on a special guest appearance from Sports Nation. His name is Prince Carter. He's a, a, a Chiefs insider, so he talks a lot about the Kansas City Chiefs and their football team. So I'm going to bring him on here in a bit. To preview the Super Bowl matchup, Super Bowl 57 in Arizona. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Jalen Hurts. It's the Kelsey Bowl. It's the Andy Reid Bowl. I'm so excited for the Super Bowl. I'm going to preview the game here in a minute. And again, I'm going to bring on Prince Carter. He is a Chiefs insider and he is a co host of the Kingdom Keys podcast discussing everything Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm bring him on here in a bit and talk about the Super Bowl. It's a lot going on right now in sports. You know, we we have the NBA trading deadline that just passed. The, the Super Bowl is Sunday between the Chiefs and the Eagles. So it's a great time, a great time to be a sports fan in America right now. It really, really is. Whether you like the NBA, the NFL, you like NHL hockey as well, you can definitely check out your hockey as well. But great time to be a sports fan right now in the world. But if you want to discuss anything particular tonight, the number to dial is 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Let's get into this NBA topic and let's talk about these big-time trades in the NBA over the last few days. So many big-time trades in the NBA. The Dallas Mavericks earlier in the week traded for Kyrie Irving. The Lakers, they traded Russell Westbrook to the Utah Jazz. They brought in D'Angelo Russell, Vanderbilt, and... Another player that was a part that was part of the Lakers in this deal as well. Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell, and Jared or Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley. And then the Clippers. They added Eric Gordon. 
the Blazers traded away Josh Hart to the Knicks. So many big-time trades in the NBA. It's too many to remember. But I want to talk about the main trades that were made with the Lakers, the Suns, and the Mavericks. So the first big trade that took place was the Dallas Mavericks trading for Kyrie Irving. Here is the deal. The Dallas Mavericks, they received Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris from the Brooklyn Nets. And the Brooklyn Nets received Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and a 2029 unprotected first-round pick and two second-round picks in 2027 and 2029. So, when I look at the Dallas Mavericks and their trade for Kyrie Irving, I believe that offensively, the Dallas Mavericks will be significantly better with Kyrie Irving than what they were before they acquired Kyrie Irving. And one of the main reasons why the Dallas Mavericks wanted to trade for Kyrie Irving was because of their inability to still score the basketball when Luka sat on the bench. Remember in the offseason, they weren't able to come to an agreement with previous point guard Jalen Brunson when he was in Dallas. And so all season long, they have struggled when Luka Doncic has went to the bench. So this is the Dallas Mavericks this year. They're 0-7 without Luka Doncic. That was prior to their win Wednesday night against the Clippers. When they, that was Kyrie Irving's first game, obviously. And this year, with Luka Doncic on the court, the Dallas Mavericks' offensive rating is 118.7. With Luka off the court, their offensive rating drops to 106.8. With Luka, it's 118.7. Without Luka, it's 106.8. So, with the acquisition of Kyrie Irving, if Luka goes to the bench, Jason Kidd and his offense will still play at a high level and they will still be able to score points. And I think offensively, they got Kyrie Irving now. You still got Luka Doncic. You got Tim Hardaway as well. On the interior, they got Christian Wood as well. So offensively, the Dallas Mavericks have zero weaknesses. They're going to be able to score the ball at an elite level with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic now in their backcourt. And picking up a guard like Kyrie Irving, who I believe is the most skilled guard in NBA history, I think it's going to help the Dallas Mavericks offensively. This year, Kyrie Irving, he's averaging 27 points per game on 49% shooting from the floor. And Kyrie Irving is one of the more clutch players we have in the NBA. And he's a closer. The same way I view Damian Lillard and how he's a closer, I think Kyrie Irving is a closer as well. Just go ask Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors how Kyrie Irving is a closer because I remember in the 2016 NBA Finals, as great as LeBron was, and LeBron was the best player on the floor in that series on both ends of the floor, as great as LeBron was, Kyrie Irving was the closer for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Game seven, 
ball in his hands on the right wing, drains a pull-up three over Steph Curry. Kyrie Irving is one of the more clutch players in NBA history, and you team him up with Luka Doncic, I think offensively the Dallas Mavericks are going to be unstoppable. Unstoppable. Good luck trying to stop Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. So I like that dynamic duo from an offensive standpoint. Now, defensively, I believe that the Dallas Mavericks losing a perimeter defender like Dorian Finney-Smith, I think it's going to hurt the Dallas Mavericks defensively. And when you're in a Western Conference and you're going up against the likes of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, John Morant, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker, you have to be able to get key stops at key moments in games. And that's where the Dallas Mavericks are going to struggle as a basketball team. Even prior to trading for Kyrie Irving, they already struggled defensively. They've never been a, a great defensive team. They scored a basketball at a high level. And now that you have Kyrie Irving on your team, that's not going to help your team defensively. It helps your team significantly offensively, but not defensively. But the other thing that the Mavericks have going for them is when you have two great scores like Luka, like Kyrie, it also helps your defense because opposing teams, when they play against the Dallas Mavericks, you know you have to be able to score points to keep pace with the Dallas Mavericks. So you know you can't have an off-night shooting the basketball because you know Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving are more than capable at being able to drop 30 points apiece and beat your basketball team. So, so I think because of how great Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic is from an offensive standpoint, it also will help their defense. I'm looking forward to seeing this dynamic duo in Dallas. And Kyrie Irving is going to help Luka Doncic significantly offensively because we look at this was entering Sunday before the trade for Kyrie. This was 30-point games this season. Kyrie Irving has had 15 30-point games this season. Teammates of Luka Doncic had six. So before they traded for Kyrie, players not named Luka on the Dallas Mavericks only had six games where they scored 30 points. Kyrie Irving has 15 30-point games this season. So Kyrie Irving is going to instantly be offense for the Dallas Mavericks. And again, I believe that the Dallas Mavericks are a better team today with Kyrie Irving compared to what they were over the weekend without him. I think they are a better team, even though, again, defensively, they're, they're going to definitely take a step back. But I love the fact that they have Jason Kidd in place to coach this basketball team. Jason Kidd is one of the greatest point guards in NBA history, and we know how, how great – of a coach Jason Kidd is because he knows his basketball. He's forgotten more basketball than I know. And I think the dynamic with Luka and Kyrie is going to be just fine. One thing I will say, though, it's going to be an adjustment for Luka and Kyrie because they're now playing with a ball-dominant player. So I think it's going to be an easier an adjustment for Kyrie playing off-ball compared to what it's going to be for Luka. Because Kyrie Irving played off ball in Cleveland alongside LeBron James. We know LeBron James is a very ball-dominant 
player. And Kyrie Irving was able to thrive in Cleveland alongside LeBron James. So I think he was not going to have much trouble being able to coexist alongside Luka. Because make no mistake about it, as great as Kyrie Irving is, this is Luka Doncic's basketball team. This is his team. But I'm interested to see how Luka adjusts to playing off ball when Kyrie Irving has the ball in his hands. That's going to be a major, major adjustment for Luka Doncic because Luka's used to having the ball in his hands 100% of the time, and now he's going to have to share the basketball with Kyrie Irving. But one thing about this Dallas Mavericks basketball team is I'm excited to see them in the postseason this year because in the playoffs, the game slows down, and you need superstars to take over to win basketball games in the playoffs. So you're going to need players who can create off the dribble. And Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic is, are two of the better players in the NBA who can create off the dribble. Like, you're going to need that. you got to have somebody who can break the defense down and get a bucket at key moments in games. But, again, I think this trade for the Dallas Mavericks is going to definitely help them, and they're a better basketball team. Now, let's transition to the Phoenix Suns. A couple nights ago, breaking news. That's the Phoenix Suns trading for Kevin Durant. Like, crazy. Unreal. So, the Kevin Durant trade details is the Phoenix Suns, they receive KD and TJ Warren. The Brooklyn Nets, they receive Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, who was dealt to the Milwaukee Bucks shortly after this trade, and the Nets received four first-round picks in 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029. So my initial thoughts about this trade, I want to start off with the Brooklyn Nets first. How in the hell do the Brooklyn Nets trade for Kevin Durant and not get back Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton? Can someone tell me how the hell the Phoenix Suns were able to keep Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton on their team and team up Kevin Durant with Chris Paul in Phoenix? How do they keep Ayton and Booker? Like, if I'm the Phoenix Suns, there's no way in hell I'm giving up Devin Booker because Devin Booker is younger than Kevin Durant is and he's going to be playing at a higher level longer than KD is going to be playing at. KD has a good five years left playing at a high level. Devin Booker has maybe 15. So, like, I'm not giving up Devin Booker if I'm the Phoenix Suns, but if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I damn sure got to get back DeAndre Ayton. If I'm, if I'm the general manager for the Brooklyn Nets, Sean Marks, I'm telling the Phoenix Suns there's no deal unless I get DeAndre Ayton back. I believe that the Phoenix Suns literally robbed the Brooklyn Nets like a thief in the middle of the night being able to acquire Kevin Durant and not have to give up Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton. Seriously, I don't understand what the hell the Brooklyn Nets organization are doing. Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, they're great role players, but you can't build a franchise around Mikael Bridges or Cam Johnson. So I don't understand what the hell the Brooklyn Nets are doing as an organization 
And I thought it was a mistake to even trade Kevin Durant in the first place. Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the NBA. He's a top five player in the NBA. There's no way in hell I'm giving up Kevin Durant. I'm going to build around Kevin Durant for future seasons to come. I don't give a damn how mad Kevin Durant is. He can go and pout and be mad all he wants to be. If he wants to go on Twitter and be mad, I don't give a damn. I'm not trading away Kevin Durant, even if Kyrie Irving leaves. I ain't trading away KD. It's not happening. Because all these draft picks that the Brooklyn Nets have acquired in these trades, they are trying to draft a player the caliber of a Kevin Durant. This is a once-in-a-generation player. Ain't no way in hell I'm giving up Kevin Durant. And then I'm not get, getting back Devin Booker or DeAndre A makes zero sense to me. Now, when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, this trade makes the Phoenix Suns now the favorites in the Western Conference. Seriously. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Ayton, I believe now this Phoenix Suns basketball team also being coached by Monty Williams, I believe they are the favorites in the Western Conference. Yes, I believe with KD, with Chris Paul, a point guard God, and you got Devin Booker, who's a tremendous scorer, one of the best young NBA players that we have in the NBA, already has a finals appearance on his resume. You team him up with the Kevin Durant? I believe now that the Phoenix Suns are the favorites in the Western Conference. Now, I do believe that they're going to have to improve on their depth because they did give up Michael Bridges. They did give up Cam Johnson. And I, and I love Bridges and Cam Johnson. Bridges is a 3D type of player. He can score the basketball, can play some good defense as well. Cam Johnson can, can shoot perimeter shots, can defend as well. But I think the Phoenix Suns are going to have to improve on their depth because their starting five is is legit. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, TJ Warren, and DeAndre Ayton. That's a great starting five. But off the bench, you got Torrey Craig. You got Damian Lee. Okay, you still got Cameron Payne. So they're going to have to improve on their depth. But their starting five is arguably the best starting five in the NBA. And you add the, one of the greatest scores in NBA history in Kevin Durant, it's only going to make your team better. And you look at what the Suns been able to do this year overall as a basketball team. They average 113 points per game. That's ranked 21st in the NBA. That will improve with Kevin Durant. They average 44 rebounds per game. That's ranked 11th in the NBA. With a player like Kevin Durant, with his size, that will improve as well. As a team, they're shooting 46% from the field. That's ranked 22nd in the NBA. That will improve with KD. And they're averaging, they're shooting 38% from three-point range, which is ranked fifth in the NBA. That's going to improve with Kevin Durant on your basketball team. Kevin Durant this year, he's shooting 56% from the floor. 56%. That is a career high. So everywhere you look, statistically, on the floor, offensively, the Phoenix Suns improved adding Kevin Durant on their basketball team. You look at Kevin Durant for his career, he averaged 27 points per game with Oklahoma City. That's ranked first in team history. He goes to the Warriors. He averages 26 points per game. That's the second in team history. And then 
with the Brooklyn Nets. He averaged 29 points per game. That's the first in team history. Kevin Durant is one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. And the Phoenix Suns just got them a superstar that's going to help Chris Paul possibly get back to an NBA Finals and win his first championship. I thought two years ago when Giannis and the Bucks beat the Phoenix Suns, I thought that was going to be Chris Paul's last opportunity to win an NBA championship. And now the Phoenix Suns trading for Kevin Durant, Chris Paul's chances at being able to win his first NBA championship, something he definitely, definitely deserves. And the Phoenix Suns title odds is now second in the NBA, only behind the Boston Celtics. The Celtics are a plus 350 to win the NBA title. And the Phoenix Suns now are plus 500. So uh, this, this trade was a home run by the Phoenix Suns. Now, I want to talk about, before I go to my next segment, the failure in Brooklyn. At one point, there was a trio in Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. I believe that that trio is the worst trio in NBA history, and they definitely, definitely underachieved. I mean, when I when they teamed up Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, to me, from an offensive standpoint, those are three of the greatest scores in NBA history. And I was thinking, how the hell are you going to stop the Brooklyn Nets? It's impossible. You're not going to be able to stop the Brooklyn Nets. And the big three in Brooklyn, they played 16 games together. They went 13-3. and three. That includes the playoffs. They won that one playoff series against the Boston Celtics. That's it. It is a major, major disappointment when it comes to this trio when they signed up to play together in Brooklyn. Major, major disappointment. And when it comes to Kyrie Irving, I love Kyrie Irving. Again, when Kyrie Irving plays, he's one of the best players in the NBA. But the problem for Kyrie Irving is whether or not he's going to show up. That's the, that's the only question we have about Kyrie Irving as a basketball player, if he's going to show up. And we know best ability is availability. But, I mean, the trio between Harden, Irving, and Durant, it was a failure in Brooklyn. And Kendrick Perkins, he said it best. He tweeted, looking back, Katie, Harden, and Kyrie is the biggest letdown in NBA history. It will be an ESPN 30 for 30 short, agree 100%. But honestly, I give James Harden credit because he departed Brooklyn for Philadelphia and teamed up with Joel B in Philadelphia, and the Sixers are contenders in the Eastern Conference. But KD and Kyrie are the real disappointments in Brooklyn. This was KD and Kyrie as teammates over four seasons with the Brooklyn Nets, including the playoffs. They played in 87 games together. They went 53-34. and 34. They had two playoff appearances. They won one playoff series in two playoff appearances. They were six and seven in the playoffs. And last year, they got swept by Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It was a complete failure in Brooklyn with this Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving experiment. It's no other way to slice it. And I love KD. And I think, again, he's one of the greatest players in NBA history. But this was a failure here. This was a complete failure in Brooklyn. And the Brooklyn Nets, they wanted to clean house. 
They've cleaned house, and now moving forward, they're going to be a laughingstock of the NBA. They will be the laughingstock of the NBA because the New York Knicks are better than the Brooklyn Nets are. And they are the team in the state of New York. Now, the other trade that went down, it was the Lakers. The Lakers, they traded Russell Westbrook to Utah, and they got back D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. The Jazz, they got Russell Westbrook in a deal, Damian Jones, Toscano Anderson, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. They traded for Mike Conley and Alexander Walker. So when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers, I believe adding D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, I believe it makes the Lakers better, but not significantly better. And I think that the Lakers now are playoff contenders, but not championship contenders. I think the Phoenix Suns are better than the Lakers. I believe that the Denver Nuggets are better than the Lakers. I believe the Los Angeles Clippers adding a player the caliber of an Eric Gordon who's going to be off there, come off their bench. I think they're better than the Lakers as well. I think bringing in D'Angelo Russell and Beasley is going to help the Lakers from a shooting standpoint. And I think it's going to be more spacing on the floor now compared to what it was with Russell Westbrook and LeBron James on the court together. But I don't think that that trade makes the Lakers the favorites in the Western Conference. And for the Lakers, they compete for championships, not Western Conference finals appearances, not making the playoffs. The Lakers compete for NBA championships. They got the most championships in NBA history alongside the Boston Celtics. So them trading for D'Angelo Russell doesn't make them a championship contender, but they are a playoff contender. And I do believe that they could win a first-round playoff series. If they play against the Sacramento Kings, I would take LeBron James and Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell to upset the Sacramento Kings. And I love the job that Mike Brown is doing with the Sacramento Kings this year. I really, really do. De'Aaron Fox is playing some good basketball. Sabonis is playing some good basketball. And the Sacramento Kings are probably the most surprising team in the NBA this year. But the Lakers would probably beat the Kings in a first-round playoff series. If they go up against the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant, I think it'll go seven games. But I'm not sure the Lakers would beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe, maybe not. Memphis has been struggling lately. But if they played the Nuggets or the Clippers or the Suns in a first-round playoff series, I don't believe the Lakers would be able to beat those teams. I don't. But they're better. They're better, but not great. They picked up Mobamba from the Magic as well, traded away Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets. But the Lakers compete for championships, not just making the playoffs. Everybody go and follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to preview Super Bowl 57 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. 
Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Come to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Don't forget I'm going to have Prince Carter. He is a chief insider. He covers the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to bring him on in a bit and talk about Super Bowl 57 between the Chiefs and the Eagles. And call to the show, man. If you want to talk about the NBA trading deadline, who were the biggest winners and losers of the NBA trading deadline? Call to the show and let me know who you believe won at the NBA trading deadline. But let's transition to the NFL. It's NFL Super Bowl 57. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the Philadelphia Eagles in Arizona. The Eagles are favored by one and a half point. Kickoff is set for 6.30 p.m. on Sunday evening. The over-under for this matchup is 51 and a half points. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Jalen Hurts. It's the Kelsey Bowl between Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey. It's the Andy Reid Bowl as well. Andy Reid going up against his former team. And also, more than anything, what I'm most excited about in the Super Bowl this year, Super Bowl 57 will be the first Super Bowl to feature two black starting quarterbacks. That's what I'm most excited about. I'm excited that we finally get an opportunity to see two black starting quarterbacks face off against each other in the Super Bowl, in Mahomes and in Hurts. So, excited about that. Let's break down the Super Bowl, and let's talk about the matchups in the Super Bowl. Let's start off with the Chiefs offense versus the Eagles defense. Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs, they are led by Patrick Mahomes. And last night, Patrick Mahomes he took home the NFL MVP, and it was well-deserved, ladies and gentlemen. Patrick Mahomes was great this year in the regular season. 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 5,250 passing yards, completing 67% of his passes. Patrick Mahomes had a great, great season this year, and I believe that he earned his NFL MVP award this year. He really, really did. Like, and I believe that he is the best quarterback in the NFL. You look at what he's been able to do so far since he's been a starting quarterback of the Chiefs in five years being a starting quarterback for the Chiefs. Every single year he's been a starter, he's led the Chiefs to the AFC Championship game. They've hosted the AFC Championship game all five years since he's been a starter. Also, in the playoffs, in the divisional round of the playoffs, the man is 5-0 with 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions, okay? And overall, Patrick Mahomes has been a great, great quarterback for the Chiefs since he's taken over. He's been in the Super Bowl three out of the last four years. And I don't think there's a quarterback in NFL history who's had a better five-year start to their career than Patrick Mahomes has. I mean, the dude is sensational, and the Kansas City Chiefs, 
they have big contenders ever since he's taken over as a starting quarterback. They've big contenders. Seriously. And what makes Mahomes great is not only how he plays in the regular season, but he elevates his game in the postseason. Let's look at Mahomes' playoff career, all-time ranked statistically, shall we? Patrick Mahomes, he averages 106.1. That's his pass rating in the playoffs. That's ranked first all-time. He averages 326 passing yards per game. That's ranked first all-time. He averages 2.5 passing touchdowns per game. That's ranked first all-time. His touchdown-interception ratio is 4.57. That's ranked first all-time. The man completes 67% of his passes, which is also ranked first all-time. These are all rankings for all-time great quarterbacks. This was among quarterbacks with 12 starts in the playoffs, those rankings I just named. So in every major statistical category, Patrick Mahomes is number one in. He is the best quarterback in the NFL, and he's the greatest player in the NFL currently playing football. Because I look at even the AFC Championship. In the AFC Championship, Mahomes was able to beat the Bengals with no Hartman, no Juju Smith-Schuster, and no Kadarius Toney. Those are his best receivers on his team. And he was able to beat the Bengals with Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, Skyler Moore, and I believe it was Noah Gray. He beat the Bengals with those receivers. Mind you, Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Hayden Hurst, and Joe Mixon in the AFC Championship game. And he couldn't beat Patrick Mahomes with MVS, Noah Gray, and Skyler Moore. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. It's no longer a conversation. I used to argue it was Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers won the MVP two out of the last three years, but that's no longer a debate. It's Patrick Mahomes. Now, it's going to be interesting to see who's available for the Chiefs in this game because in the AFC Championship game, Kadarius Toney and Juju Smith-Schuster both left the AFC Championship game with injuries. And McCall Hartman has already been ruled out of the Super Bowl. He's already been ruled out. So it's going to be interesting to see who suits up. I believe they're all going to suit up and play. But when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs offensively, the best player on this Chiefs offense, not named Patrick Mahomes, is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is not only the best tight end in the NFL, he might be the best tight end in NFL history. That's how great Travis Kelsey is as a player. And you look at what Travis Kelsey has been able to do since he's been since this year. Like this, this is just this year statistically. Travis Kelsey, including the playoffs, 110 receptions. That's ranked third in the NFL. 1,388 receiving yards. That's ranked eighth in the NFL. 12 receiving touchdowns. That's ranked second in the NFL. Again, he might not only be the best tight end in the NFL, he may be the best tight end in NFL history. And this is a league that saw the likes of Rob Gronkowski, Shannon Sharp, and Tony Gonzalez. Travis Kelsey might be better than all of them. Seriously, he is the number one target for Patrick Mahomes 
and he is a reliable target, especially in the red zone. I don't understand why defensive coordinators don't double Travis Kelsey and just try to make someone else beat them. But Travis Kelsey produces at a very, very high level. Now, what's going to be interesting in this game is I think the Chiefs' offensive line, they're going to have to protect Patrick Mahomes in this game. Remember the last time the Chiefs got to the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, Patrick Mahomes was running around for his life. He got sacked three times in that game, and he was pressured all game long. The offensive line now is better with Creed Humphrey up front, right guard Trey Smith, right tackle Andre Wiley, left guard Joe Tooney, and left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. They're a better offensive line this season compared to what they were that year when the Chiefs made the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So I think that they're going to have to protect Patrick Mahomes to have a chance at winning this game. I'm also looking at to see if offensive coordinator Eric B. and Andy Reid, if they be patient and run the football with Pacheco, and it's a possibility that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is also going to play in this game. He's been on the PUP list, I believe, so he's not been able to play the last few games. So I think it's going to be important for the Chiefs to remain patient and run the football with Pacheco, with McKinnon, and with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's going to be key. This year, during the regular season, Pacheco, he had 170 carries, 830 rushing yards, five touchdowns, okay? McKinnon, 72 carries, 291 rushing yards, one touchdown. He's a better running back out of the backfield at catching the football. So they're going to have to run the football and be patient. And we know Andy Reid, he doesn't like to be patient. He doesn't. And he likes to throw the football all over the yard. That's what's going to be key. That's going to be key. And they're going up against a Philadelphia Eagles defense that is the best defense in the NFL. I mean, defensively, the Eagles up front, you got Fletcher Cox, you got Brandon Graham, you got Josh Sweat, Javon Hargrove as well. At linebacker, you got TJ Edwards. You got Kaiser White. In the secondary, you got CJ Gardner-Johnson. You got big play Darius Slay. Okay, so defensively, the Philadelphia Eagles are arguably the best defense in the NFL. And they can get after the quarterback at a very, very high level. And that's what's going to be key for the Chiefs. For the Chiefs to have a chance, they got to protect Patrick Mahomes. They got to. This Eagles defense, they get after the quarterback. This is the Eagles this year with four or fewer rushers this season, including the playoffs. They got 57 sacks. The next closest is 39 sacks. They got 11.4 sack percentage. The next closest is 7.5. Their pressure percentage is 35.1. The next is 31.9. So the Eagles, they get after the quarterback better than any other team in the NFL. They really, really do. So that's what's going to be key for the Chiefs. Can they protect Patrick Mahomes and give him enough time to find Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Toney, MVS down the field? That's what's going to be key. If the Eagles wreck this game and Mahomes is sacked four or five times, the Chiefs will lose this game. It's that simple. Now, when you switch gears and talk about the Eagles' offense versus the Chiefs' defense, I, offensively, the Eagles are led by Jalen Hurts, and 
Jalen Hurts, before his shoulder injury, was an MVP candidate. For the season, Jalen Hurts had 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, 3,701 passing yards. He completed 67% of his passes this year. And this was Jalen Hurts' best season of his career this year. And I like the way that Jalen Hurts was able to play this year. And he also helped the Eagles significantly in the running game. This year, the Eagles, they averaged 148 rushing yards per game. That's ranked fifth in the NFL. Jalen Hurts has definitely, definitely elevated his game. And besides Aaron Rodgers, I don't think there's a better quarterback in the NFC right now better than Jalen Hurts. Seriously. Jalen Hurts is big time. He had a great, great season this year. And the Eagles, they're better when he plays. And the numbers, they back it up from an offensive standpoint for the Eagles when Jalen Hurts plays. Look at the numbers this year when he's played. This is him as a starter. The Eagles are 15-1. and one. They average 29 points per game, 392 total yards per game, 164 rushing yards per game, 34 rushing touchdowns. And that stat, I believe, was before the NFC Championship game with Jalen Hurts as their starter. So Jalen Hurts is a big-time player, and he's playing some good football. Offensively, the Eagles got A.J. Brown. They got Devontae Smith. And I think that's a great tandem at the right receiver position. You got Dallas Goddard as well as your tight end. And I love the Eagles running game. I really, really do. The running game that the Eagles have with Scott, with Sanders, and Hurts, I think it's dynamic. I really, really believe that. Like, And you look at what they've been able to do. They're the first team in NFL history to have three different players have two rushing touchdowns or more between Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, and Boston Scott. So this Eagles running game is very, 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 very good. And if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, I am going to force the Philadelphia Eagles to have to throw the football with Jalen Hurts. I'm not going to allow this Philadelphia Eagles running game to beat me. I'm going to force Jalen Hurts to have to beat me with his arm, not with his legs. And the Eagles offensive line, center Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson, Jordan Mailata, right guard Isaac Samala, and right tackle Lane Johnson, this is the best offensive line in the NFL. They're the best offensive line in the NFL. So if I'm defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola, I'm going to do everything I can to try to take away the running game and force Jalen Hurts to beat me with his arm. He's more than capable of being able to do it. He got weapons in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, but I think if you allow the Eagles to run the football in this game, I believe that, that could be a disaster for the Kansas City Chiefs. I really, really believe that. And again, I believe that the Chiefs defense, led by Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap up front, they're going to have to create some pressure on Jalen Hurts. I, I think Chris Jones, he's going to have, have to have the type of performance that Aaron Donald had last year in a Super Bowl against the Bengals. That's the type of performance Chris Jones is going to have to have for the Chiefs to have a chance at winning this game. Definitely, definitely going to be important. So, again, I'm very, very excited for the Super Bowl. Two great, great football teams. And, you know, you look at the quarterbacks this year. This is Mahomes and Hurts. 
NFL ranks under pressure, including the regular season and the playoffs. This is the Chiefs offense versus the Eagles defense. Patrick Mahomes against pressure. His QBR is ranked second in the NFL. His sack percentage is ranked first, and he's second in yards per dropback. The Eagles defense is ranked first as far as QBR against opposing quarterbacks, ranked first as far as sack percentage against opposing quarterbacks, and ranked second in yards per dropback against opposing quarterbacks. So that's what's going to be key as well. And honestly, the Eagles defense, they haven't faced a quarterback the caliber of a Patrick Mahomes all season long. I mean, I look at the quarterbacks they faced this year. Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz. Trevor Lawrence is good, but not great. Kyler Murray is good, but not great. Cooper Rush, Kenny Pickett, David, Davis Mills, Taylor Heineke. Matt Ryan is good, but no longer great. And he actually had a, a down year last year. Aaron Rodgers is great, but he had a bad year last year. Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Dak Prescott. I mean, they haven't faced a caliber of quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. So that's what's going to be interesting in this game. The Eagles defense versus that Chiefs offense. That's going to be interesting. The Eagles defensively, they are great. Led by defensive coordinator John Gannon. But they ain't faced a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes yet. That's what's going to be interesting in that game. But... With all that being said, man, it's going to be a great, great matchup between two great, great teams. But with all that being said, I'm rolling with the Philadelphia Eagles, ladies and gentlemen, to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arizona. I'm going Eagles 27, Chiefs 21, and the Super Bowl MVP is going to be A.J. Brown. I had to play my Meek Mill at Dreams and Nightmares. I got the Eagles beating the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a great game between two great teams. But I got the Eagles beating the Chiefs. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to bring on Price Carter, Chiefs Insider. And we're going to break down the Super Bowl for a few minutes. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter. Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. He's a contributor for the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. And he writes about everything Kansas City Chiefs related. Been writing for the last three years. Can find his work at Arrowhead. Pride.com. He is Bryce Carter. What's up, Bryce? Hey, man. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Pretty good. Pretty good, man. I appreciate you coming on this afternoon. And let's get right to it, Bryce. It's the Super Bowl 57 matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurt. Let's start off with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, last night, he was named the NFL MVP. The man had 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He completed like 67% of his passes this year, over 5,000 passing yards. So going into the Super Bowl, just now winning his second NFL MVP trophy, what do you think it would mean for Patrick Mahomes to add another Super Bowl 
championship on his resume. Yeah, you know, I think this season has been about a lot for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, to me, a, a big point that I've hit home along all year is that the Chiefs had to answer one last question here about Patrick Mahomes, and that is, can he elevate lesser talent? Um, when he came into the league with Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, he was had the best offensive system in the NFL. Of course he was going to be the MVP if he was competent. And as time has gone on, those weapons have went away and they traded away Tyreek Hill. And this year he went out and won MVP. Long term, I think that's about as good of an outcome that they could have had for the Chiefs. You know, they, they know what Patrick Mahomes is and that he can elevate lesser talent. And when you're talking about what does adding another Super Bowl ring to his hand do, I think you're looking at, you know, being able to keep pace with some of the all-time greats. The, the two Super Bowl winning quarterback club is is already an elite club you know and with what he's done statistically in the season uh regular season as well i you know i think that keeps him on pace for your tom brady's your peyton manning's the you know that kind of upper echelon of quarterbacks additionally i think that this one means even more to them because 2019 you're talking about the rookie quarterback contract there he was surrounded by weapons they were all in at that time this you know this is the season that a lot of people pick the bills to win the super bowl this was yeah. this they're they're all in year and this is kind of the chiefs stealing someone else's super bowl this happens a lot you see it um in 2019 when the chiefs won it was the the ravens that was lamar jackson's unanimous mvp year a lot of people saw the ravens as the favorite and the chiefs snuck in there and stole it away from them and this is another opportunity for them to do that. And most of all, when you get this close, it's really hard to get here. You know, we've seen injuries and all these other storylines crop up that have made it difficult for the Chiefs to get here. You want to finish. So to get another ring on his hand, to, you know, be the first MVP and Super Bowl champion. And since 1999, I think Kurt Warner was the last person to do it. That's something really special. So and I know that they want to get another one for Andy Reid, too. Yeah. And it's crazy, Price, because. I think Mahomes is motivated because coming into the season, the Bengals won the AFC last year. They beat Patrick Mahomes twice last season. And a lot of people picked the Bengals to get back to the Super Bowl. Some people picked the Buffalo Bills to get back to the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs, they trade away Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in the NFL. And everyone was asking the question, how good is Patrick Mahomes going to be without Tyreek Hill? And I think this year he has answered all those questions and then some price. And now he has his team in a position to win another Super Bowl. And honestly, when I look at the Chiefs roster price for me, this is just me. I think you can make an argument that the Bengals and the Eagles and maybe even the 49ers have a better roster from top to bottom. But the Chiefs got Patrick Mahomes. And that's the reason why they got a chance to win the Super Bowl. So that you say what? Well, I say, you know, when you're talking about the point that you're making about the other rosters, I, I definitely think that that's true. The Chiefs are just in a different era right now than some of these other rosters are. You know, we went back to the rookie contract conversation. All that applies for those teams that you're talking about there. Moves like Von Miller, moves like bringing in uh, A.J. Brown, teams like that that are making their all-in moves. The Chiefs are in a little bit different situation in their reality. And I, I think that's great news for the Chiefs because – you know, the salary cap continues to go up in the coming years and teams are going to look at starting to shed players. You know, there's rumors that players like DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, great veteran wide receivers are going to be out there for the having due to salary cap costs. The Chiefs have already kind of fixed their cap a little bit. They've reset their cap. And yeah, you're absolutely right about kind of the disadvantage that the Chiefs have roster wise. Um, 
when we're analyzing teams like the 49ers or the Eagles, I always say, you know, those are some of the best two through 53 rosters in the NFL. But I can't tell you how many times growing up uh, as a millennial as myself, I sat down and watched a team face Tom Brady or Peyton Manning and sat there and was like, okay, this is the better team. These are the better players. They're going to do yeah. it. They're going to beat them. And then at the end of the game, you go, well, shoot, uh, they've got that guy and they've got that quarterback that makes that play. And, you know, a lot of this goes to Brett Veach, the general manager, and Andy Reid as well. Um, they've hit on players in the bottom part of the draft so successfully here in the last couple of years. You've got players like Jalen Watson at corner, Isaiah Pacheco, who are playing starter snaps, who are seventh round rookies this year. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and then you go and look at how they re completely rehauled their overline or their offensive line in the offseason two years ago. You know, they, they hit on Creed Humphrey in the second round. They traded for Orlando Brown that that move was pretty ridiculed at the time. He's been a stalwart there at left tackle for them. They hit on players like Trey Smith out of Tennessee, who had a bunch of medical concerns coming in. He's been a Pro Bowl level player. You know, they fixed all that in one season. So this story is as much about a roster construction and how they did it. Because if you go back and look at the guys who won the Super Bowl in 2019 to today, there's there's not a lot of those guys left. Yes, you're Mahomes, you're Kelsey, you're Chris Jones, the superstars are still there. But they've been able to really kind of redo this whole roster in about two years. So I love this situation for Kansas City because they're here now, and I feel like they've got just as good of a chance or a better chance in the coming years as well to return here. Now, Price, offensively for the Chiefs, they are top five uh, in four out of the five major offensive statistical categories. They're first in total yards per game. They're first in passing yards per game, first in points per game, and second in third down completion percentage per game. And we know the best players on this Chiefs offense are Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But give me an X factor that the Eagles defense is going to have to keep an eye on in this Super Bowl matchup. One of the kind of biggest moves that has went under the radar for the Chiefs this year was the acquisition of Kadarius Toney. Um, When that move happened at the trade deadline, it was kind of just looked as um, a future move. You know, Toney has had kind of a tumultuous time in New York. He was a player that came out of Florida with a huge draft profile, came out, you know, in the mid-20s for the Giants, and he looked like a malcontent there, and the injury history was an issue as well. When the Chiefs acquired him, they had McCole Hardman, who did a lot of the similar things that Kadarius Toney did. They stretched the field horizontally. They're the guys who can, you know, they're as good with the ball in their hands as a runner, as a pass catcher, and both stretched the field vertically as well. However, the Chiefs have only had McCole Hardman and Kadarius Toney on the field together for about 30, 40 snaps as McCole Hardman went down with an injury against the Titans right after they acquired Kadarius Toney. And then he gutted it out in the AFC Championship, McCole Hardman did, and left with that same injury again. So the Toney acquisition has been incredible for the Chiefs because he gives them something that they don't have anymore without Tyreek Hill and without McCole Hardman. And Andy loves his toys and he loves guys who's you know, their targets are predominantly behind the line of scrimmage. That's your bubble screens, your, uh, you know, hands off, your reverses. And also, Kadarius Tony has very quickly become a really trusted target of Patrick Mahomes. If there's one guy who's going to go up and get a contested catch for the Chiefs, it's either Kelsey or Tony. Um, and, you know, some of the issues that came with Kadarius Tony from the Giants still linger. He did leave the AFC Championship game injured. He has had a hamstring injury this season. But when Kadarius Tony is on the field, his target share is incredible. The Chiefs look for him and look for him often when it comes to getting him the ball. If he is on the field for this whole game, I feel that that's a tremendous opportunity for the Chiefs, especially in the red zone, because he gives them something that they don't have. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, you know, Travis Kelsey, those guys, their roles are defined, but Tony is the true wild card. 
So I feel like if we're sitting here on Monday talking about a Chiefs win, we're probably talking at least Kadarius Toney, at least one touchdown, and him being able to stretch the defenses horizontally. Um, the Chiefs, you know, we, I heard you talking about the pass rush of the Eagles. The Chiefs have faced some really great pass rushes this season. Um, one of their best games of the season was a win over the 49ers where they were dominant. And there's this narrative going around that the 49ers didn't have their players for that game. They had pretty much everyone there. Nick Bosa was there. Um, you know, Fred Warner was in that game. Almost all their star players were there. That was when Jimmy G was still starting. And the Chiefs just had Nick Bosa in a in a nightmare because they just kept using McCole Hardman to stretch him horizontally and get him to hor- to to hesitate off the edge. Yeah. And they, they, they really had a great game plan for him. So, um, yeah, Kadarius Tony is definitely an X factor in this game on offense for the Chiefs. He's a contributor at Arrowhead Pride and co-host of the Kingdom Keys podcast. He's Price Carter. A couple more questions for you, Price, before I get you out of here, man. Defensively, the Chiefs up front got Chris Jones. They got Frank Clark. They got Carlos Dunlap as well. In their secondary, obviously, they got Legereus Sneed. You got Trent McDuffie as well. Give me an X factor for the Chiefs defensively and a player who's going to have to play well in order for them to win Sunday evening in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I wrote this week that there's a lot of things that have, and really the story for the offense and the defense have both been different, have been the same. The the roster overall has gotten much more multiple. The Chiefs were a top-heavy roster. You had Tyron Matthew. You had you know Frank Clark, Chris Jones. Those guys were still there, but the defense really relied on three or four players over and over again in seasons past. This year, they've gotten much better depth along the defense, and they've gotten much younger. The athleticism has popped off the screen from times. Plays that used to go for 50 yards now go for 25 yards. You know, And the young corners that the Chiefs have— uh, we talked about Jalen Watson, Jay- Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie has been tremendous. Uh, the Chiefs traded up for him, and he's been one of the, pretty much since Trent McDuffie's been back in the lineup. The Chiefs have not allowed a 300-yard passer, and that includes facing Joe Burrow twice. Um, they have been excellent in the secondary, but if there's one player that's going to have to play well for the Chiefs to win this game, it's going to be li- uh, middle linebacker Nick Bolton. Uh, Nick Bolton is a pretty divisive player when it comes to Chiefs fans. Some Chiefs fans see the plays that he makes in the run game, especially in run blitzes. And he's a guy who played college here locally at Mizzou. And a lot of people really love Nick Bolton. However, Nick Bolton can struggle in pass coverage at time. And then if he gets a, uh, an offensive lineman downfield on him, he really struggles to get off blocks. This is a yeah. game that is crucial for him to play well. Between the run options that the Eagles present with Jalen Hurts and the running backs, and then throw in uh, a pretty strong tight end in Dallas Goddard, you know, it's it's going to require a lot. Nick Bolton, to his credit, had one of his best games of the season against the Bengals. When they faced off in December against Cincinnati, the Bengals tortured him. They targeted him over and over and over again with running back Samaje Pirine. Uh, they lost Hayden Hurst halfway through that game, and they were still torturing him with the backup tight end. So he's going to have to have a good game. Now... Price, I know you're a Chiefs insider. You cover the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Philadelphia Eagles, they were 14-3 in the NFC. They were the number one seed in the NFC. Jalen Hurts had the best year so far in his young career this year, was the runner-up for NFL MVP. And the Eagles have a complete football team. But, Price, who do you have winning Super Bowl 57 and who was your Super Bowl MVP? Well, I think when you look at this game, you got to ask yourself two questions. The first question is, do you think that the Eagles can score 27 points on the Chiefs defense? The Chiefs are 55-3 and in the Patrick Mahomes air when a defense is held to 27 points or less against them. 
that's a tall order, I think, for the Eagles at this point. The Chiefs just held two very good offenses to 20 points each, respectively. Jalen Hurts' injury, um, I, I think that that has limited him, limited him as a passer. And I think that, you know, the Chiefs are going to make Jalen Hurts beat them in this game. Uh, he has His numbers against the Blitz have not been great. Steve Spagnuolo is a notorious big-game strategist. He has, you know, shown time and time again that he can really dial up a defense to face any level of quarterback, even going back to that, you know, famous Patriots game with him as uh, the Giants defensive coordinator. They are going to stop the run. They are going to do their best. The Chiefs are a much better run de- defense than they're given credit for. Um, they they have the, the players to do it. It's going to be tough. There's great offensive line play there. But I personally feel that looking at this game, the, the cavern that is portrayed between the Eagles roster and the Chiefs roster is not nearly as great as some people make it out to be. You know, the Super Bowl is one of those games where we take the the last Super Bowl and compare it to the previous one. Oh, you know, we saw the Chiefs against a good pass rush in Tampa, and they and they got murdered. But the Chiefs have two All Pros on their offensive line and two more Pro Bowlers after that. This yeah. is this is, the the gap between those two rosters is not as much as people want it to to be. Um, while the Eagles are definitively the better, better roster, to me, this is one of those games that we are just reminded of. Hey, coach and quarterback matter most of all. And we have a roster here with a lot of players who have played in the Super Bowl. They have the ability to come out and, you know, game plan for two weeks. You've got a quarterback who this is the third time on this stage for him. So you know that they're going to be able to come out and execute right away. There's no pregame jitters or anything like that. And I think ultimately this is one of those games that we look back that comes back to three or four key plays that are made by the better better quarterback, the better offense, the better players. And Jalen Hurts isn't able to make those plays. We've not seen what Jalen Hurts looks like battle-tested since he came back from this injury. The, the, the Eagles are what I've been calling the juiced-up version of the 2019 Ravens. A tremendous offense, a tremendous defense, stars all over the field. But we've yet to see what they look like when they have to really come back in a game when passing is the only option. You know, yeah. you, you rattled off some of Jalen Hurts' statistics, which he, he rightfully earned and played tremendous this year. But he is the trust fund baby of the NFL right now when it comes to quarterback. He has the he's had the best schedule, the best coaching staff, the best roster, the best offensive line, the best defense. Everything has gone exactly to plan for them. What's it going to look like when they're down ten points and it's third and nineteen and everyone's coming and everybody in the in the stadium knows that you're passing the ball? Yeah, that, those are the questions that we've seen Patrick Mahomes answer in the biggest stage um, against the 49ers and other teams, and we've not seen Jalen Hurts answer those questions. Now, if he answers the question and you tell me the Chiefs lose this game in a tight one, I'd absolutely believe it, and I, you know, there's no harm in that. It's a great roster, and I think the Eagles are going to be here for a long time, given how well they are set up in the future with draft capital and salary cap as wise. Yeah. But I've got the Chiefs winning 30-21. I think it's close, but I think in the end, the Chiefs pull away a little bit in the second half, simply because the Eagles haven't played a lot of second halves close. They they pretty much roll out to the early lead and put it on cruise control. So Chiefs 30, Eagles 21. Who was your Super Bowl MVP? It's hard. We're looking at it two ways. You know, sports betting just kind of became legal over here in this part of the country. I actually live on the Missouri side, but a lot of people live on the Kansas side. So if you're if you're doing your betting odds, you're not going to really get very good odds on Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey um, or Chris Jones, which are kind of the heavy favorites, right? Um, I, I'm actually going to pick Travis Kelsey. My reasoning is this. Mahomes has already got a Super Bowl MVP. He just won the league MVP. This is the Kelsey Bowl, and I think Kansas City wants to reward what has been a, a stalwart of their team for a long time at Travis Kelsey. He's been here through some of the really hard times of this roster. Um, he's been here through the Alex Smith era and through Patrick Mahomes. I think that they would love to reward him, and let's be honest, if Travis, if the Chiefs are going to win, Travis Kelsey's going to have to have a good day, and this whole 
this whole offseason or postseason has really been about Kelsey getting open no matter what. You know, the, the Bengals had a sign all week that they slapped that said, did you get a hand on Kelsey? And guess yeah. what? <laughs> he still got open. This guy gets open all the time. He's 33 years old and he's, still, you know, still playing as one of the best players in the NFL, period. Yeah. And the good thing for Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey's mother, Price, is no matter who wins this game, she wins because one of her two sons are going to be a Super Bowl champion this season. So shout out to Miss Kelsey. So I know she's definitely, definitely happy about that. And also, you know, I'm excited about seeing the brothers play against each other, Price. That's definitely going to be exciting for sure. And one more thing I want to add on what you said, I agree with you about the Eagles. Defensively, I think the Eagles got one of the best defenses in the NFL. But this year, they faced off against Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Cooper Rush, you know, Davis Mills, you know, Kenny Pickett. The best quarterback they played all year is probably Aaron Rodgers in a down year and Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott is not to be confused with being an elite quarterback. They ain't faced Patrick Mahomes. So that's going to be the biggest challenge for the Eagles defensively uh, in this game, for real, for me. Yeah, and when you look at Patrick Mahomes' stats against top 10 defenses, they are essentially the exact same as all of his other stats. He's not a player that has fattened up on bad defenses and then struggles against top defenses. And part of that is, you know, we talk about the, the, the records that they have on the defensive line. Their defensive line is a 9-10 man rotation, and it is tremendous. And I, I do think that it is going to give the Chiefs fits, but QB sacks are partially a quarterback stat. And, you know, the, the Eagles offensive line gets brought up as the greatest offensive line that we've seen in a long time, perhaps ever, which is a little hyperbolic in my opinion. But the Eagles have given up more sacks than the Chiefs have. And that's not all just Gardner Minshew in two games. Um, the, the Eagles have given up the 12th most sacks in the league this year, whereas the Chiefs are 30th. Um, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is great at avoid, elating pressure. Um, we know that the high ankle sprain is still going to be there. I'd expect him to be at about 80 85%, better than he was in the AFC Championship, but still not pure Patrick Mahomes, but in some ways secretly, I think that might've been for the best in that AFC championship game. Going back to last year against the Bengals when they lost, the Bengals were doing this thing where they were basically rushing three and then dropping the rest of their men into coverage and just daring the Chiefs to run the ball and they couldn't do it. They didn't want to do it and Mahomes didn't want to do it. And Mahomes was holding on to the ball uh, way too long and trying to make things happen when he either should have taken the dump off or ran the ball himself or you know put the ball in the hands of running back. Uh, the Chiefs are tremendous when they get the ball off quickly. And actually, one of Patrick Mahomes' quickest games to throw in the past in his career was against the Eagles, where uh, in 2021, where he threw the ball in about 2.3 seconds was the average, one of the quickest times in his career. So the Chiefs are getting rid of the ball here. He's hitting his back foot, finding Kelsey, finding Tony, Juju, MVS. I think that that spells good things for the Chiefs. Their defense just needs to, you know, hold up their end of the bargain. He's a contributor at the Arrowhead Pride and a co-host of the Kingdom Keys podcast. He is Price Carter. Price, he has the Chiefs beating the Eagles 30-21, to and Travis Kelsey taking home Super Bowl MVP. Price, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, man, you can find me at Arrowhead Price on Twitter. Uh, a little play on words there, writing for Arrowhead Pride. Uh, Arrowhead Pride, you can find us online at Twitter as well, at Arrowhead Pride. And you can find us at our website, arrowheadpride.com. Price, I appreciate you joining Wise Guys tonight. 
And, man, enjoy the Super Bowl. I'll probably bring you on next week, man. We can recap the Super Bowl. Absolutely. We will see if I will be uh, hungover or angry. It'll either be one of the two. (laughs) One of the two, for sure, man. Price, enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, man. Have a good one. You as well. He is Price Carter. Go and follow him on all social media platforms. And check out his writing for the Arrowhead Price podcast and the Kingdom Keys podcast as well. So go and check it out for sure. And everyone enjoy the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great matchup between two great teams, the Andy Reid Bowl. I'm excited to see Andy Reid in this game. I really, really am as a head coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. He coached in Philadelphia. He was one of the greatest coaches in Eagles history. So definitely excited about that. Excited to see the first Super Bowl between two starting black quarterbacks in Mahomes and in Jalen Hurts. Everybody going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore wait. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Enjoy Super Bowl 57. I'll be back on next week. I'm Wise Guys Sports. Trey Larkins signing off. Enjoy y'all weekend. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.